Welcome to the Girl in the Galaxy podcast. I'm your host, Kate Heinecker, here to serve as your astrological tour guide. This podcast is here to use the ancient art of astrology to help us make sense of our lives and the world we live in. Hello, friends. Welcome back to your monthly forecast. We have not one, but two amazing hosts, co-hosts with us today, Mallory Hasty and Jordan Shamer. I'm so happy to have all three of us here, just three queer astrologer ladies hanging out and talking about one of probably the most eventful months of 2021, December. We've got quite a send-off. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have both of you here. Um, It's been such a wonderful experience to chat with y'all about the month ahead for since July, really. And I'm so excited to have all three of us coming together kind of for the finale, for the grand finale month of 2021. So welcome back to the podcast, guys. Would you like to introduce yourselves for any new listeners out there? Sure. Um, I'm Jordan Shomer. I am your astrologer friend, and I'm happy to be here. Yay. Hi, I'm Mal. I'm the host of the Witch Church podcast, and once in a while, Kate lets me be on her podcast. So here we go. I'm so excited that we're all together, and I'm excited that you're back from all of your adventures, Jordan, and I'm excited to hear about like the astrology of the adventures. Lots and lots has taken place in the last two months, and I'm I'm happy to have my feet on solid ground again. (laughs) Yay. So for anyone out there, if you're a new listener, if you'd like to follow along with what we're saying in the astrology and really take notes to absorb it, you can download your free monthly astrological calendar that's linked below in the show notes. I love mine. I use it all the time. In general, during these podcasts, we are going to reflect a little bit on the astrology of the prior month. Then we're going to do a quick monthly overview and kind of get into the general vibes of what we can expect energetically and astrologically for the month ahead. Then we're going to go through week by week and talk about the most important astrological events that you need to know about and energetically prepare for. So this astrology is going to land differently for everyone, just depending on your chart and how your chart is laid out. So focus on the messages, write down what really resonates with you. Don't get lost in our technical astrologer mumbo jumbo. And again, follow along with that column, write down what resonates most with you. So let's dive in ladies. We're still in November when we're recording this podcast, but do we have any reflections so far on the astrology of November, November? I mean, it was a big month. We had some hefty eclipse seasons. Mars was doing a lot of very interesting dances with Saturn and Uranus and Venus finally moved into Capricorn where she's going to go retrograde in December. 
Do, does anybody have any initial thoughts that they kind of want to reflect on about November already? I feel like November was really good for me. I remember when we were recording the pre-November podcast and we were talking about all of the Uranian action of November. We had the Mercury-Uranus opposition. We had the Mars-Uranus opposition. Um, and then we had the lunations that all included Uranus somewhere in that, in the full moon, new moon, I was getting a little bit nervous, like about what could be unexpected, like coming in November, but this month reminded me of just how powerful Uranian energy can be when it comes to like facing one's fears and really mm. pushing through shit that you needed to push through for a while. For instance, I bought my first car. Um, I'm really proud of myself. Yes. And that is something that I had to do for, I've been needing to do for a really long time. And I feel like that Uranian energy was just like, fuck yes. Like, let's just go and do it and pull the trigger. There's no such thing as a perfect time which as an astrologer, I say that and I'm like, it's like a, it's like a knife to the heart. Cause I'm like, I need to find the perfect time, but really there's no such thing as the perfect time. Sometimes you just have to do shit and move forward. And I feel like it was a very good month for just like being like, fuck it, we're doing it. We're, if there's no going back, let's just sign the papers and let's go. So that's my review of November so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that as far as, um, November has gone so far, um, what I've been feeling most with all of the Scorpio energy that we've been moving through is that sort of like underlining the underlying fear that sort of like permeates. I mean, it's my, it's my sixth house. So it's like my daily life. And I, for Libra season, I was traveling with my partner. We were doing like fun fifth house stuff. And then I land back home and the reality of like, I need to like get back to my routine. I need to get back to my life. I'm moving. I'm doing all of these things that really like dredged up a lot of um, fears around the things that I felt like I was lacking or where I was falling short. And in my practice, when I'm looking at um, the deeper implication and the deeper impact of the sixth house, that is where I find that uh, the whispers of capitalism, like the whispers of the expectations of the society or the culture at large sort of creep in. Um, and I have been sort of like wading through that, whereas it's kind of, it's easier for me as an Aquarius on a regular basis to kind of indicate like, this is my authentic desire versus, oh, this is the desire that I have been conditioned to believe that I have to meet because of, you know, the expectations of capitalism. And now it's kind of like harder for me to decipher that. Like I'm feeling kind of dragged down into the depths by it in a way that usually I can kind of like do my Aquarius thing and like observe from the outside, which is always a really, I think, beneficial place to be because you are seeing sort of the underbelly of what happens um, in, 
in, on a regular basis, but in a way that you're more intimately sort of connected to. So I've been battling some like whispers of my demons and stuff in a way that like, I think is good to have to hear and face, but it's still very Scorpio and it's not comfortable. Yeah. Scorpio is uncomfortable. I was a little intimidated by the astrology of November, especially the second week of November, but I actually find that the Uranian energy present here is refreshing. I think that September and October were a lot. Honestly, 2021, the astrology of 2021 has been a lot in general, but I really think that the astrology of November was kind of refreshing. I thought that when we had in August during Leo season, when we had Uranus at the focal point of this, of this fixed T square that's been happening all year, um, it was a little chaotic. It felt a little sudden. It felt a little traumatic and not in a good way, not in a fun way, just in a, this, this is this amount of change or unexpected events, the amount of wrenches that were thrown into our plans were annoying. And I felt like November became, was a good time, or at least where I have felt, and I felt it with clients and people around me where the change is a bit more constructive because we have Saturn at the focal point of this T-square it's almost as though these changes are manifesting in ways that are grounded. And although it feels a little shaky and it feels like a lot is shifting in our lives on a collective level, on a personal level, it's nothing that we can't handle. And I do, I found the astrology intimidating at first and I was all nervous about it, but on the day of the, I had a really wonderful um, kismet interaction come back into my life on the day of the Mars Mercury Saturn square. It, mm-hmm. And I was oh, like, Oh no, what's going to happen that week. I had transit anxiety as I call it. How is this going to manifest for me? But it turned out to be lovely. And mm-hmm. I found that the astrology of November has kind of, and it will carry this astrology and this energy will carry over into December, but I kind of found that it was a time where we saw or made manifest it, the attitudes, our attitudes toward change kind of became fully manifest in November that were really seated in the beginning of 2021. 2021. Like the, the changes that we felt called towards all year, specifically since February of 2021 kind Mm -hmm. of were made very clear this November. And I think that if we've had an open mind about those changes and we've been like, okay, I'm going to roll with the punches. I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to choose the new over the old this November was kind of fun. It was kind of exciting. I've enjoyed it. I found it refreshing for sure. Mm -hmm. I will say though, I think, and this might also be um, an interesting component of the eclipse, the eclipse season starting in Scorpio season Mm -hmm. um, and, and moving into Sagittarius season Um, in the last 
handful of days or weeks. I've also felt um, with my clients, with myself, with the people around me, that there is quite a, like a visceral grief in the air. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think that that comes with one, the Scorpio of it all, and two, eclipse season, and three, Saturn being at the fulcrum of this T-square, that the the movement of the eclipse is in full transparency, the eclipse is tomorrow, so we can't talk about it in hindsight. Um, But I think that it is facilitating endings in a way that... For some resonate as closure. I think that like doors are being closed and things are finding resolution. But on the other hand, um, I have seen so much sudden loss or, you know, whether it be the sudden loss of life or the sudden loss of security, which is very torrent. Um, the sudden um, upheaval of what was once stable that is no mm. longer stable. Mm. Um, and I think that this is probably a taste of the um, upcoming nodal shift. And then the 18 months following that after January of this nodal shift into North Node in Taurus, South Node in Scorpio, um, that is highlighting themes of um, what is and what is no longer and learning to sort of like live in the margins between that space. Absolutely. I think that whole axis of stability and security and material and material security and having the rug pulled out from underneath us is a major theme of these eclipses and will absolutely carry on into 2022. It's mm-hmm. a very, very wise point. Yeah. I think the thing that you said about grief, Jordan, like, and how many different ways and frequencies and facets of grief that we can experience in the human form. Like when we say grief, like I think our, our minds sometimes go to like literal death or loss of a loved one. But I think there's something about right now, the energy is showing us like yeah, the many facets of grief that one can experience. And mm-hmm. even like, it's weird, like even the the joy of grieving a past part of yourself, like that can be really sad. But lately too, I've been like, for myself, I'm like, yeah, like the old Taylor's dead, like, <laughs> like the old male's dead, like, great. Like that part, like, and I've been yeah. like, I've listened to too much Taylor Swift, but it's just been, um, yeah, it's been very like, fuck yeah, like the old me's dead, like yeah. leave this. And um, and I think going, if we want to talk a little bit about like our month ahead, December overview vibes. Yeah, let's transition. Take that, us there, Mal. Yeah, I'll take us there because I feel like that's very um, Venus retrograde and Venus yeah. retrograde stationing. With- well, and also just to make a, a quick point, because I've been, continuing to find myself in this conversation with clients. I think that um, part of the impact of the Saturn Uranus square um, and sort of finding itself in the T-square during Leo season with all of the um, planets moving through Leo, that provided like a huge ego check. 
And I think that this T square, we're sort of feeling the lack of control of what that ego check back in the summer provided. And so with my clients, I'm talking a lot about grieving or mourning what you thought should be in order to find acceptance for what is, which is very eclipse season too. It's just like what comes, comes, what goes, goes, and it's for you, whether you like it or not. Um, And so I think that there's also like a grief that is required in order to find acceptance. Um, Because if we're holding fast to that story or that narrative of like, no, this is, this was my goal at the beginning of the year. And I need to find that goal when so much more has evolved out of that. It's like, you got to lay it to rest because it's no longer a viable option for you. And so I think that there is also grief in what we wanted and finding the like humble ego check of being like, well, that's not going to happen. And absolutely. And just to dovetail what you were saying off what you were saying, Jordan, that has been kind of an energetic tone throughout 2020 with the Saturn Uranus square, a major energetic theme has been challenges that come with changes. And with that comes disappointment. You know, there's part of the collective and personal ethos that wants to lunge forward and go into the future and to create new things and changes. And we have these goals and ideas, but because Saturn's been squaring that energy all year, there has been a little bit of a melancholic disappointment in realizing our own limitations and understanding that we can only do so much. We can only change so much and compromises are always necessary. And I think that because Saturn is, is, um, has the upper hand in this square, Mm -hmm. Um, that it is a necessary disappointment. Like it is a necessary um, obstacle to overcome as an ego check, as a reality check, and as accountability to understand your capacity. Um, That is how we meet the challenge of change is to do it Um, I think through a lot of like trial and error through a lot of like pushing and finding that like what we're pushing against isn't going to give. Yeah. And I've also found, especially throughout the year, even if you did get your goal and you didn't meet it and you, you've got, you've got it there has, and you out from the outside looking in, there is this, you know, wonderful image of what you've been able to accomplish this year in 2021, the grass is always greener on the other side. Well, Everybody has been met too. with that Saturn square of, okay, I have it, but this isn't it. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm a little disappointed. There's, there's that Saturn melancholic disappointment in general of mm-hmm. just our expectations and what we thought would be and all of the excitement that we had to have these shifts and changes in our lives. I think that's very like symptomatic of any Saturn square, anytime Saturn square is something in mundane astrology like this year or in our personal charts, there is that internal experience because squares are internal, that internal experience of, you know, 
was it enough? It doesn't feel like enough. We have to like on to the next because Saturn doesn't leave room to sit and celebrate. Like Saturn doesn't have time to like, um, you know, really revel in the accomplishment because Saturn is a planet of scarcity and to Saturn, there isn't time. There isn't enough, you know, you got to keep moving. And so part of stepping into the square is like, is building the time for yourself to just sit in recognition of what has been accomplished in order to kind of reorient you in a direction that is aligned with that Uranian innovation. Right. And you know what? I feel like Saturn, the Saturn Uranus square has been, I think for everyone about how do I expand in this limitation? And, you know, it's kind of reminding me of, you know, when you're like in high school and you're like avoiding doing your homework, which is kind of like a Saturn thing. And you say, okay, you know, it's 2.23. I'm going to start at three because like you can't start your homework on a weird number. Like you have to start it on the hour. And then three o'clock rolls around. You're like, all right, let's wait till four. Let's wait till five. Let's wait till six. And you keep pushing it back. That's kind of like the lower frequency of how to use Uranus Saturn like it's almost like "Eh, it's not the perfect condition so I'm just not going to do it at all but then if we're really listening into what Uranus Saturn teach us like you're saying Kate and Jordan like it's like how am I evolving and growing in this weird cage or like in this weird circumstance where I would not have chosen this to be my garden. I would have not chosen for me to plant my seeds here, but I have this soil and I might as well plant it here. And let's use this time. Let's start our homework at 3.36. Fuck waiting till four. Like, let's just do it now. Like, I think that's Saturn Uranus in a lot of ways. (laughs) Well, and the fact that Saturn is in Aquarius right now like you know with Saturn and Capricorn that is like the ultimate like strict dad it's like the rules are the rules and you got to follow the rules to a T but with Saturn and Aquarius he's kind of like the the cool dad but like yeah you got to do the homework but like you know you manage your time you know you figure out how to do it and so even with the Saturnian energy there is some willingness to be a little bit more abstract with like how we interpret the rules and that I think sort of leads to like collective confusion because with like the Capricorn pile up in 2020 we were working with like not only the rules and the restrictions of our society, but also that of the pandemic and of COVID and like you can't be more than you know six feet close to someone else. You have to wear a mask. You can't go outside. Like all of these like very rigid limitations. And now with Saturn and Aquarius, we're kind of like, wait, are those still like, do we still have to wear masks everywhere? Or like, can I, can we be in closer contact? You know, things aren't as clear, which leaves us room for Uranus to be like, okay, let's fucking change it all. (laughs) Right. And I'm for December in general, I feel like 
I've needed a little break from the news this year and I'm a news junkie, but I'm really excited to see what comes up in the news over December. The astrology of December is, I think, probably the the most eventful month astrologically of the entire year. It's such an incredibly um, dense month of astrology. And I don't say that to give any scares. In fact, it's astrology that we were talking about this in the, in our pre-show chat, Mal mentioned this astrology kind of mirrors and met, 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 or meshes together well with the Gregorian calendar. We, this astrology of December is wrapping everything up, but I also feel like there's going to be a lot happening in the news and in on a collective level in mundane astrology with everything that's kind of going on um, for the rest of the month. I thought I might mention that just that I'm really excited to see what comes up for the collective ethos, because yeah. there's a lot of exciting astrology happening this month, particularly um, the month starts with an eclipse. Then Mars moves into Sagittarius. Venus retrograde is happening which happens once every 18 months. And the last time Venus retrograde happened, it was crazy. Um, Venus will be with Pluto during its retrograde. Saturn and Uranus will square each other for the last time exactly. And Jupiter will move into Pisces. That's all happening in December. And we'll break it down in more detail in a second. But like, that's a lot of intense astrology to happen in one month. Um, and it's interesting because December generally, you know, it's the holidays. People are, people are pretty chill. Um, but this is not very chill astrology. It's like a bookend, but it's a book slamming closed almost, um, with what's going on. Not to be so Aquarius ninth house about it, Mm -hmm. but this is like, to me, like closing and ending or like closing and opening for like new world energy. Mm -hmm. Like Especially this Venus retrograde with Pluto in Capricorn, which is the sign that's all about government institutions, hierarchies. Um, and like some crazy shit is for sure going to happen that really forces us to lean into that Saturn Uranus square and ask like, is what we're working with is the foundation of what our society is built upon does it have a leg to stand on anymore? And spoiler alert, the answer is no. Um, And I think that opening, especially with Jupiter moving into Pisces for next year is really laying the foundation of like, okay, then what is going to work? Yeah, absolutely. So any other final thoughts on just the general astrology of December before we dive into the weekly to the, our weekly analysis ladies? The only thing is like in my head, as we're talking about just like the general vibe of December, I'm like in my head, I'm just hearing crash and December is that like crash. It's like the final crash. Yeah. That's all I have to say. That's what I have to offer. Mal, anything? You know, I... 
I'm just, I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the ride. In December, I think that one thing I will just mention briefly that was going through my mind was that, um, you know, wherever Capricorn is in your chart, Mm. think back to 2020 and just how depressed that Capricorn area of your chart was and how hard it was to have some Jupiter, Saturn and Pluto transiting there all at the same time. So now that Venus retrogrades about to go back over that, I think there could be a really beautiful moment of like, wow, like, look how my issues of 2020, look how they've, how they've evolved me into something really a lot stronger. I'm different. I'm navigating my challenges differently. I have a new outlook. I think there's something about that Venus stationing retrograde in the later degrees of Capricorn and the later degrees of Capricorn being such a karmic place of the big year of 2020, you know? Yeah. As you were talking, like the image that came to me was like, if the Capricorn ruled area of your chart is a garden that, that pile up of 2020 with Pluto and Saturn there, and then Jupiter having no choice, but to amplify that malefic energy, it, it killed the garden. Like the, you, it was starved of resources. You couldn't get, you know, the nutrients and the water to that area of your chart and everything is wilted. But with this, benefic Venus energy, we have the opportunity to take that death or that, um, uh, that starved, uh, what once was alive and allow that to fertilize and plant seeds of something new. Um, and maybe just maybe what was growing there before wasn't conducive to that to this iteration of you or the next iteration of you. And so you have an opportunity with everything that we've seen that we cannot unsee to plant seeds that are innovative, that have more space to, I mean, because Uranus is involved with anything that um, Venus does until Uranus moves um, out of Taurus. And so like Uranus or Venus wants us to, cultivate a value system, cultivate a sense of what is important to us and how we relate to the world around us in a way that makes space for the future, for what is possible and what is to come um, Mm -hmm. away from the image of like what has always been. Yeah. I love that. And with that, let's dive into the first week of December. The month starts with a new moon, solar eclipse in Sagittarius, the sun and the moon are going to come together at 12 degrees Sagittarius. And if you're on the West coast, it's going to be the, the middle of the night, just before midnight on December 3rd. But if you're on central time or the East coast, it's going to be, um, December 4th in the very early, early morning. And this is the final eclipse of the season. It is happening in Sagittarius and it's happening on the South node. This new moon, I, it's not the last eclipse in Sagittarius. 
but it is a potent release. If we know anything about new moons and South node stuff, this is a time of purging, of releasing, of letting go, and of finally maybe realizing or understanding what needs to be cleaned up or what doors are ready to close in a specific area of your life, in that Sagittarius area of your life. I really see eclipse seasons as, again, those times to let go, let Jesus take the wheel, and to let the universe do her thing and allow for your internal self to shift solar eclipses on new moons in particular, I always find are visceral because it has that new moon energy. There's something that changes within you during these time periods. There are these weird shifts that feel like, I don't know why I feel this way, but I just do. I feel that energy strongly for this new moon on December 4th. It's an ending. It's a letting go. It's a release. So I feel like if anybody out there is feeling that need to shed, that need to let go, the early, the first week of December is going to be a very important time to do that in order to make room for new things to come around in 2022. This is a time where those shifts are necessary. They're important and they're valuable. And there's something beautiful about that ending energy, that closing, the, a, a closing ceremony, even with that in the beginning of December. What do you guys yeah. think about this? This I, I love that you brought Jesus into this. Um, because Mal said that actually in our pre, in our pre-show yeah, recording. Well, and I, I couldn't help myself. I just think that like, some of the, what I'm getting from just this like nodal transit of Mm -hmm. Gemini and Sagittarius, and then sort of like ending, um, with this Newman and Sagittarius, it is like a real check of, um, the beliefs that we hold in order to keep us, us in a position of righteousness. Yeah. Like, I feel like righteousness is the energy that is being purged on a collective level Mm -hmm. in favor of like looking at the actual details, like reading the actual words rather than gaining some broad universal meaning that some, you know, person on high has delivered to us Um, and sort of grounding ourselves in more of what is like truly around us, like what we can actually see for ourselves rather than holding on to big universal beliefs that make some people right and some people wrong and divide us sort of down the middle. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking about um, for like a film, a film reference with uh, the South node, North node, Gemini, Sagittarius and the energy that it brings. One of my favorite movies is uh, the importance of becoming earnest with Colin Firth and Reese Witherspoon. And in that movie, Colin Firth's character, Ernest, trying to marry this woman named Gwendolyn. And Gwendolyn's mom is asking him, 
like interview questions to see if he's worthy of her daughter. And she asks him the most Gemini Sagittarius question. And she asks him, do you know everything in the world or do you know nothing? Um, Like there's only two options. Do you know everything or do you know nothing? And I think anytime we have an eclipse in Sagittarius specifically, I think we're almost challenged with like, oh, wait, where, where does my ego think they know it all? Like, cause there really are times where I'm like, oh, that's the answer. Like, that's exactly how it's going to play out. It's going to be a disaster. And like, it's just such a, it's just such an, I start operating off of assumptions and these kind of eclipses really show us like, you don't know anything, you know, like you're not God, who are you to make these predictions and who are you to decide what's possible it's really this humbling moment of you actually don't know that much so just sit back and see what is being revealed to you yeah i mean they there's that saying that like the wisest people are the people who claim to know nothing and that's very gemini like gemini is constantly devouring information um and sees their life as an opportunity to gain more information, um, gain more wisdom through, you know, their interactions, through reading, through happenstance. Um, And Sagittarius is the sign that kind of like absorbs all of that Gemini wisdom and is like, I know everything now. (laughs) Like I got all the answers. Um, Yeah. And I think that it is a real opportunity to humble ourselves and like the thing about eclipses is like it's not in our control you know the lessons that are laid out the lessons or the tests that are brought from this eclipse season they're going to fall into your lap um so my like mo for eclipses is always just to like sit back in wonderment like you know sit with your hands open and just be like i'm ready for whatever you bring me like and i'll do with that what i will Um, but the humble act of being open to receive, I think is what eclipses are really asking us to do because otherwise we're operating from ego and then we're, then that's when eclipses get really upsetting because they have no regard for the desires of our ego. Right. Um, would you guys say with the eclipse, um, you know, just a couple of days after on December 7th, we have the Mercury squared Neptune. And that makes me feel like the eclipse is going to be a little bit foggy until after this square passes, like maybe the next day on the 8th with the Mars squared Jupiter, we'll get some clarity of what actually happened on the eclipse. But I find with with Mercury Neptune, it's uh, it, it's the vibe of um, fogginess, and there's just a little bit of difficulty really finding um, the meaning or the sense of what is infol- unfolding in front of us. Yeah, I could definitely see it being well unclear, also because like Neptune is in is squaring the nodes just by by sign and so i think that even just like in this entire um transit of the nodes in gemini and sagittarius there has been like this kind of nebulous um 
is it or isn't it kind of vibe. And I think with that Mercury square, I think you're right. I think that there is this um, intangibility to the impact or the implication of that new moon um, that could be really prevalent. Yeah. Here, well, first I have like a bunch of points in my head right now. (laughs) First off, that second, the second week of December from the 6th to the 12th, is ouchy astrology. It's, there's a lot going on and it is very nebulous, but what I think this eclipse season is kind of here to teach us is that you can have all of the data and all of the information in the world, but you can take that data and have it fit and meld it and chisel it down to fit what you want to believe. So I, and I think that has been a huge lesson of the eclipses and the eclipse seasons since May of 2020, when the nodes changed into the axis of Gemini and Sagittarius, but the nodes are moving from Gemini and Sagittarius into Scorpio and Taurus, and the eclipses will change as well. But What's interesting is that there's no more Gemini eclipse. There's Taurus eclipse. Now I know that sounds like a huge, like technical mouthful, but just to distill it down, what I really get from this eclipse season is that we've realized since 2020, that you can take all of the data and information. You can do whatever the fuck you want with it. And you can chisel it down to reiterate your own Sagittarian belief systems and to see what you want to see in every single situation. The truth is nebulous, but what we're required to do as individuals is say, what do I define as truth and what fits me and my values, but not in a way that's ignorant, but just saying what works for me might not work for everybody else. And we can agree to disagree. That's that Torian groundedness that we need so bad right now in just our collective and personal ethos to say, you know, Maybe there is no ultimate right or wrong because people can take facts and figures and skew them to make up whatever the fuck they want, but I can decide what works for me and do my best to say, this is what fits my value system and it might not fit yours and that's okay. We can still agree to disagree and there's no ultimate authority in it all. Mm -hmm. And I think that That's what this new eclipse energy is bringing in is a little bit more groundedness, a little bit less, um, a little bit less delusion, almost Mm -hmm. more groundedness. And this second week of December kind of reiterates that, okay, how do I, or how can I surrender a little bit to ideas, but stay grounded in what works for me? I guess if yeah. that makes sense. You know what that makes me think of? Just like thinking from, you know, the end of May of 2020, when the South Node moved into Jupiter or moved into um, Sagittarius through um, January, the end of January, when they the nodes switch signs, 
um, that in that time, Jupiter, the ruler of Sagittarius has, will have moved through three signs. Mm -hmm. We had a period in Capricorn, which is very rigid, which is very like, stay the course, hold on to the longstanding shit that you've been holding on to that has shaped your reality with Jupiter in Aquarius during this new moon. It's, I think that it's asking us to see truth in a way that like Gemini sees truth as a prism. It's multidimensional. You know, it depends on what direction you're looking at it. We'll, we'll paint a different picture. Mm-hmm. And then the next uh, eclipse in Sagittarius, Jupiter will be in Pisces where there is compassion, where there is still connection, where it would seem to be in disconnection. Like there is more, um, there's more love found in Pisces. And so I think that that lays the groundwork to cultivate a collective sense of truth or beliefs that leave room for more expressions of that truth or more Mm. sides of that truth in a way that is not so dogmatic or not so separate. Yeah. Ideally, which is all, you know, Jupiter too, ideally. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, and ge- I, when I think of that Gemini Sagittarius energy that has been so blown out of proportion over the past, no, almost two years now, I always feel like this energy of, you know, we're, we've gotten into this habit of disputing what is indisputable almost. And, now I feel like at least there's a little bit more energy of, of groundedness that you're not, we are as a collective on a personal level, we're not going to be able to have as much back and forth about, you know, the, the evidence of what's at our feet, if that makes sense. This argument is coming to me and I'm not exactly sure how it aligns perfectly but I think that it does so bear with me but you know how there was a couple years ago there was this like huge blow up that like if you use plastic straws you are the devil it's like you're killing the turtles personally like you can't you know like you're destroying the planet with your plastic straws and everyone's like pointing fingers at each other but like no one seems to care that like the biggest corporations are really the ones that are like pouring poison into the oceans. And like, no one's really talking to them because we're all fighting with each other about plastic straws. Um, And I think that there is, and, and maybe it's the Jupiter in Aquarius too. That's like our argument or our point of view is has the potential to be more grounded in a collective way rather than like a you versus me and then you versus my neighbor kind of way where we can maybe mm. see the bigger picture of like, well, what is actually the issue at hand? Is it the straws or is it that there is a collective and corporate disregard for the well-being of our planet? Absolutely. Maybe that fit. I don't really know but that's what came to mind. No, I love that. And I dig it. And I'm happy you said it. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. Moving on to really the second week from the sixth to the 12th, 
intent. There's a lot of squares this week on the seventh Mercury is going to square Neptune on the eighth Mars is going to square Jupiter on the 11th Venus is going to meet up with Pluto and on the 12th the sun is going to square Neptune so just in general from the 6th to the 12th do you, do you guys have any specific thoughts about these in general i wrote down i have i've just have put some thoughts down Um, For that Mars-Jupiter square, I think that it's really important for this second week to really practice patience and humility and to really de-escalate situations that might feel like tensions or emotions run high. Any Mm -hmm. thoughts on for you guys on this week? The the two words that, that come to mind in looking at all three of these transits um, are suspicion and assumption. Mm, yeah. Because things are not clear. And with Mars squaring Jupiter, there is, we're acting from a very like instinctual place. And Mars in Scorpio is a very, um, can be very paranoid that there, you know, there isn't the whole story. And we've got Jupiter like egging that energy on where we might be trying to dig into things that don't really with the assumption that there is something to uncover that like there might not be. And then with the Pluto and Venus too, like that really heightens our sensitivities um, and heightens our like desire to be self-protective because we feel under threat. Um, And so I think it's about combating um, the assumptions that what is unclear, like we might assume that that might be threatening um, when really it just might not be clear. Yeah. Checking your assumptions. Very, very, very spot on. I think too, like I have Mars Jupiter in my natal chart. So it's like this, like Mars Jupiter, I kind of know, I feel like on a personal level, like what happens when they get together and it can be a, I'm biting off more than I can chew, or I'm getting too cocky kind of energy. Mm. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like, I got this in the bag, no worries. And then like, you know, you realize like, oh shit, never mind. Like, I don't have this in the bag. Like I need to prepare. Or um, I could see this happening, especially relationally, because these two squares happen while Venus is like stationing, um, getting really near their stationary degree. So I could see us in relationships, like, you know, I don't know, like just getting cocky about like, oh yeah, like, my partner wasn't pissed off about that. It's fine. We're over it. And then like Venus retrograde comes around and it's like, "Eh, never mind. Like we did need to talk about that. Um, Mm -hmm. Venus or sorry, Mercury Neptune square reminds me of like, Oh no, like, let's not bring it up. Let's not talk about it. And then like avoidance (laughs) and then Venus, Venus square Jupiter is like, wait, we really needed to talk about this. Like, so, um, so yeah, I think, I think it's just bringing awareness to where you desire ease and you desire like that easy breezy, let's just do it feeling of that Mars Jupiter. But is that really grounded in reality? Like, is it really going to be, do you really have it in the bag or is there some kind of obstacle that actually has to be faced so you can move forward? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also think it's worth mentioning just from an astrological lens, 
the seventh of December is not a great time for commitments for signing anything or contracts on the dotted line. It's not a great time for um, widespread communications and to commit to anything official. That Tuesday, the December 2nd or December 7th is Mercury's day. That's a day rolled by Mercury and Mercury is going to be in a sign that it's not happy in, in Sagittarius, and it's going to be squaring Neptune. It's not in a good place. So just for anyone listening out there, if there's any major decisions that have to be had, it might be better to wait until after that second week of December or just avoid signing anything on the dotted line, uh, maybe the sixth, seventh and eighth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Some a really good tip. Yeah. Yeah. Things might not be as they seem, but also I think that that energy like brings up like whether it seems like it or not, things are subject to change. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's so, it's so important that day to check your own expectations of a situation and really over communicate and proofread and check those details again, if anything important needs to go out and be patient with any technological mishaps with any wrenches that are kind of thrown into your day-to-day routine life, you know, that seventh and eighth is, is a ton, it's a, it's probably the a rough spot for the month, I would say. Mm-hmm. I love that set sentiment of like, be mindful of your expectations and, yes. uh, you know, don't blow Especially something. Because Venus is in Capricorn. Yeah, Venus, yeah, Venus and Capricorn. So we have the discernment. And even Jordan, going back to what you said, like being mindful that things will change, that feels like the flavor of the whole Venus uh, retrograde stationing retrograde with Pluto, if we can jump into that. Yeah. Kate and I were kind of tuning into this, and I'm feeling, you know, Venus our planet of relationships and harmony and how we relate to one another and Pluto, the planet of our greatest transformations on that shamanic like cell level. I'm getting that. I think the Venus retrograde period is really going to be about us confronting maybe like the impermanence of a lot of things, even if we're, you know, solid with our partner and we know this is like our person or whatever, still, even if we're in a great partnership, things are still impermanent. We can never predict like what's going to happen with that person or what's going to happen with us. How are we going to change? How are they going to change? How is our relationship going to evolve over time? So there's something here. There's a reckoning. I think it can be a beautiful Mm -hmm. reckoning about, facing yeah impermeability impermeability is how you say that in some way with yeah. that Venus Pluto conjunction um on what date is it the 12th or the 11th the 11th yeah, yeah. well well I was also going to say like Mal and I know personally because we both have Venus and Capricorn in our chart that Capricorn energy is really good at 
um, upholding things or of upholding things in a very like sturdy way, whether or not they are serving you like Capricorn Venus and Capricorn is a builder. Um, and, uh, and, you know, a secure, um, but I think with Pluto in the mix, like the, the journey of Venus retrograde, um, whenever Venus retrogrades, it is a story of her death and rebirth. Venus is pulled into the underworld and is stripped bare of everything that she has, um, in order to fight for her life and be reborn anew. Um, and that is every Venus retrograde, but with Pluto, the destroyer as a part of this narrative, I think that not only are our value systems and our relationships being renewed, but it's also kind of like forcing us to look at the things that we're holding on to and that we've held up out of the desire to be comfortable or the desire to maintain harmony and balance when what we really need is destruction and upheaval to authenticate what we're holding on to, to bring integrity to our structures and not, you know, just uphold what we are expected to uphold. Absolutely. I think that this Venus retrograde, so just for anybody listening, Venus will go retrograde on the 19th of December, but Venus will be literally conjunct Pluto three times. It will be conjunct. Venus will meet up with Pluto in the sky on December 11th, on December 25th, on Christmas day. And then finally on March 3rd. So there's this very interesting dynamic happening in December where that Venus Pluto energy will be heightened significantly right before and right after Venus goes retrograde. So that's when we're going to get a lot of this energy coming up. I think also Plutonian energy has to do with breaking points and hitting our limits and understanding our own limitations and how much we perform to fit in and conform to society at large and societal expectations, structures, government, um, capitalism is all very Pluto and Capricorn energy. I think of when Pluto moved into Capricorn, um, that's when Obama was elected. And that's when we went through the great recession and this crazy economic collapse. You know, there was this sentiment, um, right when Pluto entered Capricorn of our collective ethos of let's reform these systems. Let's change. There was so much change and hope and anti-Wall Street sentiment. And I think that this Venus retrograde conjunct Pluto with all this Plutonic energy is really helping us on a collective and a personal level understand 
our place in these systems and society and our relationship to capitalism and our relationship to our government and all of those Pluto and Capricorn ideas, I think are really going to be heightened in a very potent way before, during, and just after this Venus retrograde time period. But I also think it's really important to, again, keep on calling out 2020. Like you guys said, 2020 was a huge time where this Pluto and Capricorn activation was so heightened. And, you know, it's a very, that's why I think December is going to be such an important time to pay attention to the news, local, national, international. This is in a very, very important global time for society um, at large to understand how we participate in these structures that be, if that makes sense. And also, um, you know, no two Venus retrogrades are like, no two Venus retrogrades in Capricorn are like, no two transits are like, period, because we always have to take into account what's happening in the rest of the sky. And the fact that Venus, who is currently in charge of Uranus in Taurus and Uranus flaring Saturn. It's also this like, and the fact that, you know, these Venus retrogrades since Uranus moved into Taurus, and we've talked about this before, have been radical on a collective level. Yes. The first one in Scorpio, a, um, like aligned with the Kavanaugh trials and the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Um, the one in, in Gemini, protests. It was right after George Floyd was murdered. And so there is this like, and, and Venus being this, you know, harmonic energy it's, we are finding our place in the systems and structures at large, how we relate to them, but also rebelling and advocating for what we need in order to stabilize and sustain Um, in new ways, because that's Uranus and Taurus. How do we build new ways of being that can sustain and stabilize on our planet? Um, And so I think that it, I think that a lot of like arguments and a lot of rebellion from the people around um, not being compliant because it does not, um, it doesn't serve the greater good of you know, our, our future on this planet, you know, it doesn't serve the well-being of the collective. I think that we're going to hear a lot of, um, a lot of noise around that in one way, shape or form. Right. Absolutely. And not to mention that Pluto is Pluto and Venus are both in Capricorn, which is ruled by Saturn and Saturn's in Aquarius. So now that Saturn's in Aquarius, I'm really interested to see how those themes are going to come to life. And I can imagine that that's going to add even more of an energy of rebellion and change and forward thinking ideas to the mix. But also with Saturn and Aquarius, I get a lot of tyranny of the majority vibes that says, if you don't fit into this circle, you are out and you better get in line and fall in line or else just kind of what we're seeing with like vaccine mandates and the the drama around vaccine mandates. It's the most Saturn and Aquarius shit ever. 
Okay. I just yesterday, I was yesterday years old when I learned that there are anti-vaxxers that are comparing themselves to Holocaust victims who are wearing like oh, yeah. yellow patches that say anti-vax or some, and I'm like, I mean, and you already spoke to that, uh, the separation between the vaccinated and the, and the not vaccinated and, you know, like not being able to go places and X, Y, Z, like Kate already laid that out three months ago, but the fact that it is taking this like world war two tone when world war two also happened under a um, Saturn Pluto conjunction, which we're like experiencing the fallout from is just like, I mean, one, as a Jew, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Fuck all the way off. But just like as a person in the world, I'm like, how are you so self-righteous <laughs> that you Sad. are calling on this like genocide of, of the, the minority in order to like make your point? Right. Ew. It's that's it's that South Node Sagittarius energy, this ridiculous righteousness and twisting of facts to believe whatever you want. Yeah. Like, ugh, it yeah, the collective. Like, I know it's gross. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how those vaccine, how those federal vaccine mandates really align with this astrology that's happening in December. It's not it's not easy. It's not pleasant at all. And yeah, whatever. I have more to say. We'll talk about that actually with Jupiter moving into Pisces in a second. Um, does anybody else have any more comment on Venus conjunct Pluto during this, this time? On a, on a more individual level, and we'll jump into the third week in a second here, and I'm sure this will come up again during the Venus retrograde talk that we'll have. Um, but I'm thinking to going back to Capricorn being about structures and yeah, as a native Venus in Capricorn, I know a lot about, yeah, the structures of relationships and the structures of love and how those can work in our favor and how those can keep us committed to situations way too long. And I'm thinking about like individually Venus and Capricorn kind of blown up in a collective scale, we're all going to be going through this Venus uh, retrograde in Capricorn. I'm thinking about how the sort of uh, dynamics of our relationships and how much of it has been influenced by societal expectations. And Kate, you were kind of mentioning this too earlier, like this idea, this pressure to find your person, quote unquote, or this pressure to settle down and be in a long-term domestic partnership or a marriage. And I'm wondering if Venus in Capricorn, Venus retrograde in Capricorn is going to start shaking those things up in a little bit more of a more radical way in the sense that so many millennials and Zoomers aren't wanting the traditional marriage. And some of us feel forced into that because that's how we get health insurance and health insurance is tied to marriage. And then we have student loans and we don't want to work. Get yeah, get married because we're going to be like combining our student loan. And, and there's like, there's so much societal governmental baggage that goes with 
our relationships that a lot of us just like don't want. We're like, fuck this. Like, what do we even do? So I don't know. There's something to monogamy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Actually, actually. So I don't know. That's what I'll say too about Venus, the Venus Pluto cycle. I would not be surprised if some student loan stuff collectively gets highlighted. Mm -hmm. I mean, no one my age wants to start paying their student loans again in January. Let's just all not do it and see what happens like yeah (laughs) I also think that like yes on a um that's like very Capricorn you know the like government restrictions and expectations and the logistics of it all and I think also with the Uranus involvement in this Venus transit and it happening after the Saturn Jupiter conjunction like living in a world post Saturn Jupiter conjunction we are in a queerer world. Like Aquarius is a sign that is associated with queerness. And I th- I've heard a lot in the last just like year around queering relationships. The, um, the privilege of a queer relationship because it is not mainstream, because there aren't so many, you know, rigid structures built around it. We have the luxury of relating in our, in our queer relationships in a way that is a little bit more Uranian, that is a little bit more experimental and, um, and veering off of that tradition. And so I also think that there is this sort of like queer undertone um, to this Venus and Aquarius trans or Venus and Capricorn transit, which you wouldn't think because Venus and Capricorn like on paper is like the sort of traditional, you know, one point, you know, 1.5 kids and a white picket fence. But I think that 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 archetype is is also shifting under this Uranian Uranus Saturn square energy. Yeah, absolutely. Which we love to see. And who (laughs) more perfect to have a conversation about queerness than us three queer ladies here in queer relationships. I'm thinking that, uh, I'm thinking that too, Jordan, your intuition spot on because our generation or those of us who have the Uranus-Neptune conjunction in Capricorn in the later degrees of Capricorn where is Venus and Pluto going to be conjunct in the later degrees of Capricorn? So there's something being rattled if you are listening and you do have that Uranus-Neptune conjunction in Capricorn, like, or just Neptune and Capricorn in general, like knowing that like it's a generational kind of transit as much as it is individual. Um, mm-hmm. But should we dive into the third week? What let's, we- dive, let's dive into the third week. Let's, okay. let's dive into week three. I am loving how the energy starts the the on week three after week two thank you we have mars and sagittarius on monday the 13th and mercury and capricorn on monday the 13th as well i am digging this tone change I love me some Mars and Sagittarius. I feel like this is going to really lighten the energy of Sagittarius in general. And Mercury is moving out of Sagittarius. I don't think Mercury necessarily like hates it, but it doesn't function and operate at its most optimal levels. So where things might have seemed a little foggy or un 
annoyingly intense. I feel like this will bring a general lightness to how we do things. It will bring an expansion to our vision and also more directness in how we accomplish um, these you know, anything in our day to day. I think this is a, is a great recipe for a fun party, I guess, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Even though there is a lot of Capricorn energy going on. I love that Mars and Sagittarius during Sag season. I think that this week is going to help uplift us for the rest of the month. What do you guys think? Well, first I would like to say Capricorn can party too. That's I mean, in under the right conditions, (laughs) not too much. But they can Capricorn can party. Yeah, Capricorn um, is a very dry sense of humor. I always see Capricorn yes. as like very Dad dry jokes. and funny. Yeah. Dad um, jokes like British and British humor. humor. 100%. <gasps> um, but my like slogan for Mercury and Sagittarius is you know what I mean? Because like Mercury and Sagittarius doesn't um isn't focused on like getting all their words right. They're just trying to convey meaning and they'll spit word salad at you and be like, you know what I mean? You get it. Um, whether you do or you don't, my mom's a Mercury and Sagittarius and that's, she's literally after everything she says, she's like, you know what I mean? And half the time I don't, but, um, uh, I love that Mercury in Capricorn really grounds that excitable, bold, adventurous Mars in Sagittarius and offer, offers a channel to bring grounded communication to the discoveries and the exploration of this very sort of like broad Ma- Mars energy, which I think is a really nice like combination Um of, of energy and a combination that like is uh, kind of like more workable than some of the energy that we've been working with. You know, the Mercury and Capricorn, Mars and Sagittarius, what a great combo for like setting goals for 2022. Like what a great combo for like uh, kind of, vision boarding and um like journaling and really like doing your year ahead tarot spread and getting your year ahead astrology reading with one of the three ladies on the screen or whatever <laughs> like it's like it's just a good li- like little like let's plan with that mercury and capricorn but also let's visualize Sky's the limit yeah let's plan and like, play yeah i love it you know it really is like that saying, um, like this combination of energy reminds me of like shoot for the moon and at least you'll la- land among the stars. <laughs> it's like Mars in Sagittarius is that like shoot for the moon and Mercury in Capricorn is like, well, I've done the like calculations and I guess you'll at least land among the stars. <laughs> you'll like at least get close. And so I think it's a it's a nice sort of balance or complementary energy between the like bold idealism um, and the sort of like dry realism and finding space there. But I think you're totally right. It's a really great combo to set you up for what is to come and like tackling the, your like big picture desires with you know, grounded, practical, pragmatic planning. Absolutely. Totally. What are we thinking for the, oh, sorry. 
Oh, sorry. I was going to say, let's jump to that Gemini full moon. I was just going to say, what are we thinking for the Gemini full moon? Let's Um, jump to that Gemini full moon. Fun. I'm obsessed with this Gemini new moon or, or full moon. I love it. I am loving it. It's in a trine to Jupiter. And this Gemini full moon on Saturday, the 18th of that weekend, that's the time to have a holiday party. <laughs> what do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, I agree. Who I think like it is a holiday party. <laughs> yeah, it's lively. It is like it is buoyant. It is social. There is this like connectivity, this openness. I'm invite me to your parties. Absolutely. On the nineteenth, the eighteenth. Right? Gemini is that air sign. It's so inherently social. It's curious. I love Gemini energy because it's just, it knows how to keep it light. It knows how to connect people and it knows how to connect with people. You know, Gemini is the sign of the chatty talker. It is the sign of, it's the sign of it's a very childlike energy. It's very refreshing. And I love Gemini energy. So give me a Gemini full moon any day and full moons in general are lovely times for celebrating. So with a Gemini full moon, there's no more eclipse energy anymore. This is a great time to get out and socialize and be with people. So Mm -hmm. I love the energy of this Gemini full moon to hold space and to connect with people and to be with others and to learn from other people and to literally just have fun. When I think of Gemini energy, I don't think it's not that deep with Geminis. They love to get in, to get out, to be frivolous, to be fun, to have a good time. And they go, I'm gone. It's done. You know, it's never too deep. It's never too much. Well, sometimes it's too much, too much chatty, chatty, or too much thinking, but you know, we'll look past that. We'd love that. Yeah. So I love this Gemini full moon and I think it's a great time to connect with people, to hold space with other people and all that good stuff. I'm digging the energy of this Gemini full moon. And with this trine to Jupiter, there is like a generosity in this Mm -hmm. full moon too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if you are willing to be giving and it's air signs, so it's not material. It's like, if you're willing to be generous with your time, with your attention, with your focus, with your curiosity, um, I think that it's, it's an opportunity for it to come back tenfold to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to just be like present with whoever you find yourself under that full moon with, I think there is abundance to be found from that connection, that conversation that, I mean, we're also dealing with um, Jupiter's trine from Aquarius. So like, who knows, it could tap you into new networks, new groups, new um, people who hold your ideals and people to collaborate or work with or learn from in the future. Yeah, it is a wonderful full moon to connect with people. Absolutely. Now and I have an event on, on that full moon. moon. I do have an event on that full moon that I will plug at the end. <laughs> oh, perfect. 
excellent. Um, just amen. after, oh. oh, I said, amen. I love it. I love what you guys said. Perfect. Shall we move on to the next big astrology of the month? Yeah. So the day after the day after this glorious Gemini full moon, Venus will finally station retrograde. So technically, let me just go over all of the technical stuff for Venus retrograde and Venus retrograde time periods. So on December 19th, Venus will station retrograde at 26 degrees Capricorn and will appear to move backwards in the sky until January 29th, when Venus will station direct at 11 degrees Capricorn. Venus will be conjunct Pluto three times during this retrograde cycle, which we mentioned on December 11th, December 25th, and March 3rd. This is a big time period and Venus will hit the midpoint of its retrograde cycle around January 8th, which is when we might get a little bit more clarity of what this retrograde time period is all about. Venus retrogrades are a really big deal and they happen once every 18 months or so, and they'll happen in the same sign every eight years. So the last time Venus was in retrograde or Venus was retrograde in Capricorn was in December, 2013 and January, 2014. So on a personal level, you can even think back to what was happening during the transition from December, December, 2013 to January, 2014 and ask yourself what was happening in my life around then what was going on and are there any similar themes that are coming up this venus retrograde it takes about it's retrograde for 40 days and about 40 nights which is very biblical and sentiment and very very mystical and magical in its own ways. But the total Venus retrograde time period lasts about a hundred days total because it has what's called a shadow period before and after. So we'll really be feeling the impact of this Venus retrograde more broadly from about November 19th until Venus is kind of out of its shadow period, which will happen um, in in March on March 1st. So we really will feel this Venus retrograde pretty potently. So this is a really important time to pay attention at any, any, to anything that's happening. And do you guys, are you guys okay? If I rattle off like the house placements for each rising sign, please. So we're talking a lot about Capricorn and energy and Capricorn lives in a certain area of everybody's chart. So you can look to see where does Capricorn fall in my birth chart. And that will reveal a lot of the themes that this Venus retrograde will bring up for you. So if you're an Aries, you have Capricorn and, and we're using whole sign house systems here So we're speaking more generally. So if you're an Aries, this Venus retrograde is happening in your 10th house, which is the house placement of your career and professional life. So those are the themes that will come up for you. 
For Taurus, you have this Venus retrograde happening in your ninth house, which is the area of your beliefs, your teachers, your mentors, and your gurus, or just the belief systems in general, or higher education and learning. If you're a Gemini, you have this in the eighth house, which is intimate bonds, connections, and collaborations. If you're a cancer, then you have this Venus retrograde happening in your seventh house, which has to do with your partnerships and your one-on-one connections. If you're a Leo, you have this Venus retrograde happening or a Leo rising, um, you will have this Venus retrograde happening in your sixth house, which is the house of your day-to-day work life, your routines, and even your pets. Um, If you are a Libra rising, this is going to be happening in your fourth house, which is the house of your home life, your roots, or even your psychological foundations. If you're a Scorpio, this is going to be happening in your third house, which is the house of your thought patterns, of your mental bandwidth, of your local community or local travel. If you're a Sagittarius, this Venus retrograde is happening in your second house, which has to do with your material possessions, the things you own or your values, what matters physically and what matters non-physically. And if you're a Capricorn, this will be happening in your first house, which is the house of your physical appearance, your vitality and your identity. If you're an Aquarius, this is going to be happening or Aquarius rising. Um, this is going to be happening in your 12th house, which has to do with what happens behind the scenes. It has to do with your mental, spiritual health and letting go. If you're a Pisces, this is going to happen in your 11th house or Pisces rising. This is going to happening in your 11th house, which has to do with your networks, your connections, your communities, and your groups of friends. And I said all of the signs, I meant rising sign for each of those. Um, but if you don't know your rising sign, your sun sign is cool too, but I'm primarily talking to your rising sign and go with that, with all that information, look at your rising sign. So that's my quick spiel to get us all started and introduced to the topic of this Venus retrograde. In general, Venus retrogrades are time periods when we literally look up into the sky and Venus is a beautiful evening star. Venus retrograde, literally Venus will fall out of the, not actually fall out of the sky, but Venus will move backwards. It'll appear. She will appear to move backwards or they will appear to move backwards and fall out of view from the morning or from the night sky. And then will appear in the morning. So a lot of ancient cultures would actually view Venus retrograde time periods as a time of rebirth and renewal and personal transformation. So that's my quick spiel. What are your guys' thoughts on Venus retrograde and this specific Venus retrograde in Capricorn? What else do we have to add? Um, I love that you mentioned the evening star versus morning star, because that's mm-hmm. really how I look at um, Venus retrogrades. Um, Venus rules two signs, Taurus and Libra, and the energy of Venus as an evening star is that of Libra. It's very relational. It's very about um, 
forming connections externally outside of yourself. And um, Venus as a, a morning star is that of Taurus. It is our value system. It is what we invest in, invest our resources, time, energy, attention, and finances. Um, and this rebirth of Venus is, it is put in place every um, number of months at least the way I view it, to realign our relationships in um, in the image of our values. Um, because sometimes we build relationships out of things that are not um, that are not built in our value system, out of insecurity or expectation um, or a, a myriad of other things. And it is really a time to like dial back and sit with what is actually important to me, what moves me, what, you know, what excites me, what am I willing to, you know, invest in, um, and our relationships being a reflection of that rather than a reflection of something that is more scarce something that is fear-based or in, based out of our insecurities or based out of what other people might have told us at one time, at one time in our lives. Um, so it is a time of like coming back to our external relationships and um, in the vein of Capricorn, maybe consolidating and seeing like what, what is actually important. Yeah, I love that because Jordan, you, you're kind of like you're reading my mind here because we don't just have a Venus retrograde. We have a Venus retrograde in Capricorn. Venus is being ruled by Saturn during this retrograde. And I just think, you know, with Saturn, I think you really have to learn to work with that energy. And I would say my biggest piece of wisdom from the astrological perspective is don't just sit on your butt during this Venus retrograde being like, wow, wow, wow. Why can't I find my soulmate? Like, you know, like this isn't a good time to be um, like passive, a victim. <laughs> a victim. It's not a good time to be a victim. It's not a good time to be passive. I would say, come decide your Venus retrograde intention. Even if your intention is to be intentionally single, until March, because you know, there's some, um, there's some really deep internal work that you want to bring up, be intentionally single, have that, have that intention, or if you are with a partner or whatever it is, um, maybe you have a huge fear about voicing your needs to your partner. Okay. That's your intention for this Venus retrograde. We're going to take the next 40 days and challenge ourselves to get better at this thing. It being Venus Pluto could be something a little bit more intimate too. Like we could be facing the fear of intimacy. Some of us, I mean, honestly, this is not for everybody, but some of us could be overcoming wounds from past sexual trauma and seeing if our part in sharing things with our partners in that way and repairing certain wounds in that in that kind of realm. Um, so that's what I have to say. Like, don't just let this time pass, bring intention to Venus and Capricorn and also watch, um, 
eat, pray, love and watch like <laughs> under the Tuscan sun. I feel like those, oh my God, movies, I love that movie. <laughs> I feel like those movies are great Venus retrograde movies where they show us like what happens when we come back to ourselves and face the demons inside of us and how it transforms our external relationships. Yeah. Well, and also this Venus retrograde happening in Capricorn is I think what it also brings is the archetype of Capricorn that isn't talked about. Like Capricorn has been very civilized. Capricorn is the boss, the CEO, the one who makes the rules, the one who sits on high and delegates to everyone else. But the sacred and wild part of Capricorn is the archetype of crone, that like wise old woman, the witch that lives in a mountain all alone that has seen it all and done it all and surprised by nothing. And I think that there is this call during this Venus retrograde to, um, to embody some of that crone energy. The crone is, a is a self-sustaining woman. She does not need anyone. If she is in partnership or if she is standing in the reflection of another person in connection, it is out of the desire to be in connection, but it is not to feed some internal sense of lacking. Um, And so I think it is also a time to do major quality control of your relationships. And especially because Pluto is involved, it is a deep, like call to intimacy. If your relationships don't have the capacity to hold intimacy, romantic, platonic, or otherwise, if it doesn't have the strength or the, um, the sturdiness to, for you to reveal yourself in vulnerability and show the messier parts of you that you wouldn't talk about at a dinner table, then maybe that relationship is meant to set is either, you know, meant to come to an end or for you to set boundaries accordingly because Venus and Capricorn, our ability to set boundaries is really like our greatest gift. Um, And boundaries, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but just as a reminder, like I read that, um, you know, boundaries are the state, the space necessary in order to love you and me simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So I think that it is this, like, we're meant to build wisdom and mastery and tolerance and understanding within our relationships, um, but not to approach them from a place of need or fulfilling some part in me because you're already whole, you're already full. And how can you bring your fullness, both the, the shiny, bright parts of you and the messy darkness of you into your relationships in a way that cultivate deep, intimate bonds. Oh, I love that. I don't know if I have anything else to add. I feel like this, I feel like it's, um, yeah, I think at this point we just have to see how everything is um, going to be revealed. Um, So definitely. I'm I'm eager. I'm like very excited. (laughs) I really do. Yeah, I really do resonate with everything that you guys said. And honestly, I'm looking at my notes and I think that you've all said it and I don't have as much to add about this Venus retrograde cycle. I think in terms of practical advice, we get a lot of return of the X vibes with with Venus in retrograde and a lot of 
rose colored glasses, especially in the beginning of the Venus retrograde cycle. Um, it can seem like, you know, again, what you guys were saying, a lot of pressure to be in relationships. So just in terms of like practical tips, I wouldn't take any relationship too seriously until at least after January 8th, when we hit the halfway point of this Venus retrograde cycle and more generously, I would probably, if anybody new comes in or reemerges into your life at this point, use it as a tool for self-reflection and don't take anything as seriously like, Oh, this is my soulmate until we're in the clear until, you know, March rolls around, frankly. Yeah. How dare you tell my Venus Neptune? <laughs> How dare you tell I know, my Venus, my Venus Neptune, Neptune is is offended because I think literally everything, I, everyone I see, I'm like, for soulmates, right? <laughs> knew each other in a past life for sure. Me and the barista <laughs> at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's so beautiful and also so tragic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Right. Um, Hey, so take, let, take us to week four. Let's take, let's dive into week four. Okay. So week four is, oh man, week four, we have even more intense astrology in store for week four. But honestly, I feel like this is a week where we are really closing a lot of the themes of 2021. Mm-hmm. So week four on the 20th, that Monday, we get a quick little Mercury trine Uranus. So if you get any fun ideas on that 20th, write them down. Inspiration will probably be free flowing in the very beginning of that week. Um, but then we also get Capricorn season. Yuletide comes in, um, which is again, a wonderful time in the Northern hemisphere to retreat, to rest, to be with your, um, biological or chosen family and to enjoy the fruits of your labor of all year. When I think of Capricorn season, I always think of the buildup of, um, the stash that we've been putting away for the rainy day, whether that's like our energy or our money, you know, Capricorn season resembles the things that we've saved and stored for times when there's not fruit on the trees. So when I think of Capricorn season, I always think of, you know, those being able to relax and rely on what you've already saved up and what you've stored. Um, do you guys have anything to say on either of those fronts for that Mercury Uranus trine or Capricorn season? Um, just like the solstice for me personally, Mm -hmm. um, it is a time to like honor the darkness. It's the Mm -hmm. shortest day of the year, which means we have the most amount of darkness. Um, and from an astrological standpoint, um, when it is dark, we are operating from a more sensing, feeling, instinctual place. Um, because when the sun is in the sky, we don't have the luxury of logic and sight to reason our way through life. And so I think, um, retreat with the intention of like really listening to the whispers of your intuition and, and, um, allowing the, the pull or the tug of your gut to have weight. Um, and just to reflect on like, what are the 
sort of intangible aspects of your knowing whispering or, or moving you towards. Yeah, absolutely. Mal, any witchy things for Yuletide? Well, you know, oddly enough, I'm thinking about an animal, um, the beaver, and I'm thinking about how much wisdom the beaver can teach us. And um, I'm thinking about how the beaver like builds their dam and is like really like making a good foundation for themselves. And I don't know, there's something about like being, like you said, Jordan, in like the darkest part of the year, like it's a good time to like tap into, okay, what's me, what is, what's going on with me? What is my foundation? What am I building right now? Sometimes we do go into periods of time where we're not actively like manifesting, building, la, la, la. But that doesn't mean that we're out of touch with our foundation. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just for some reason thinking about that animal, maybe because I was in the forest and I saw one the other day. But it felt like yeah. it spoke to me. <laughs> well, and I think something that I am as like a, a very Saturnian person with my son in Aquarius, Mercury in Aquarius, Saturn in Capricorn. Um, sometimes I have to remind myself that there is a time for output and a time for input. And I think that the, um, the winter solstice is an excellent time for input. And by that, I mean, receiving, like receiving um, the wisdom of your intuition, receiving and giving weight to what you sense and what you feel, um, and sort of building a home within that so that you can use and channel that knowing channel that input into intentional output. Completely. So let's move on to the 24th of December. 24th of December, for some it's Christmas Eve, for others it's the 24th of December. Um, this for some is... of us is ordering Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the final exact square of Sat the planets Saturn and Uranus. And 2021 has been a year that's been marked by this astrology. All year, um, these two planets have come together in a tense, what we call a square aspect, meaning they're 90 degrees apart. It what they squared each other exactly in first in February and then in June and now in December. This is the last time the planets Saturn and Uranus will be in an exact square, but they will be in a pretty rough in a in a loose square all of 2022 and it will culminate in October, but it won't be exact again. And this astrology has really been a huge energetic has set the energetic tone for the entire year. And as we briefly talked about in our introduction, the square of Saturn Uranus and 
IMO, in my opinion, has really brought about the challenges that come with change. Saturn is this archetype that has to do with our, the structures and institutions. And Uranus is an energy that has to do with change and revolution and a speeding up of energy. So you can think even about on a personal level, what have been the most major changes that have happened in my life in 2021? Because 2020 left us all different and 2020 or 2020 left us all in a very, very different place. And 2021 was like, how do we move? How do we change? How do we adjust with everything that's just happened on a collective and personal level? And you can look back on these months, especially February and June, I really consider what happened during those months. What happened in your life? What changes did you encounter? What challenges have been presented with that? What resistance have you faced to these monumental events throughout 2021? Now, I just kind of want to talk about like on a mundane level, just what I've really can kind of have seen and expected. I thought it was fascinating during the first um, Saturn Uranus square and especially we really saw fluctuations in the stock market. Um, Taurus has to do with money, currencies, uh, value, the value that we place on things. And with Uranus and Taurus squaring Mars, we've seen massive inflation all year. The price of goods has gone up dramatically. And I don't, I think that the astrology of this year really speaks to that and that energy. I remember saying, even before this year, I was like, I can't wait to see what happens with the stock market this year. I can't wait to see what happens with cryptocurrency and with our own currency. And we've seen the fluctuations that have really, really manifested there all year long. I also think that when Saturn is an Aquarius, we really see a lot of emphasis on labor and, and, who does what in terms of the labor shortage, I think, or in terms of like labor, what do the masses, how do the masses labor and what do they demand for what monetary compensation do the masses demand for their labor? And we saw throughout this year, a call towards unionizing and unionization. What's interesting though, again, challenges with changes you know, we saw what happened with Amazon when the workers at Amazon trying to unionize that was shut down. People are still trying to unionize at Starbucks. And we kind of have seen this resurgence all of 2020 about the value of unions because it speaks to that dynamic of labor and worth. We saw the effort to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, an hour federally didn't work out. Lots of challenges again with these monumental changes that we're trying to put forward, you know, and I also think about policy and legislation that has been attempted to be put forward. We've with, with Uranus and Taurus, we've passed so many spending bills. So many, so much federal spending has occurred that addresses the public good, like with the infrastructure bill and the build back better plan. These, 
these massive public works initiative, which is so Saturn and Aquarius addressing systemic issues that, that affect everybody and prioritize the greater good over the select few is another theme, but again, challenges with that. There was a lot of compromises to be made. And a lot would argue that they came up very short of what actually needs to be done to be in the best interests of everybody. So I just wanted to mention a couple of, oh, and the great resignation too. This year, so many people resigned and they said, nope, I'm just opting out of you know, what I, what is expected of me? I can't do this anymore. And I think that the great resignation, labor unions, raising the minimum wage, all of these emphasis on on what is best for the greater public was met with a lot of resistance and a lot of challenges and came up short in many ways that were quite disappointing. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say that on a mundane level, that's really what I felt for that Saturn Uranus square all year for 2021. And now it's kind of wrapping up. It's coming to a close here at the end of December, but it'll stay on the back burner in 2022. But in general, a lot of these, a lot of these um, themes are going to wrap up around this time. Any thoughts for you ladies? Sorry, I had to get all of that out, but what do you, do you have any thoughts on this Saturn Uranus square? No, I love what you said. Yeah. God bless you for being our, our, (laughs) our mundane astrologer here um, with all the, uh, with all the political and socioeconomic data. Um, I'm thinking that just, uh, I'm seeing the Jupiter going to Pisces on the 28th at the very end of the month. And that kind of following the last Saturn Uranus square, it kind of feels like a slingshot. Like it Mm. feels like, Ooh, like it's that third pass of this transit. Um, The third pass of any transit is kind of like the conclusion or the wrap up, even though you make a good point, Kate, the the Saturn Saturn and Uranus will be square by sign all of 2022, but still this is the last um, this is the last exact degree based square that we'll have, and yeah, just seeing just seeing Jupiter go into Pisces after that, it kind of gives me an optimistic feel. I don't know how you feel about that, Jordan, but yeah, it gives me it gives me some some there's like meaning that has been made from the the harshness of Saturn Uranus. Yeah, I feel that too. I think that we have, like you've described on a mundane level, but then on a personal level, I think that our, our way of executing change, we have found all of these sort of obstacles and these roadblocks. Um, and I mean, I'm a ninth house son, so like, I usually take an optimistic view, but I do, I am feeling into it the way that you are Mal. that like, I think that finally we'll be able to, um, sort of like turn the challenges and the obstacles and the tests of the Saturnian, your, you know, um, transit of, uh, Jupiter in, in Aquarius into something more um, meaningful, more spiritually aligned, more buoyant. There's more room to breathe, more room to move, more options. Um, And so, yeah, I see, um, I think some of the tension and 
um, like urgency of this square dissipating um, a little bit more in order to find more flow and more synergy in the transition into what is to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we can use that just as a segue to talk about the final days of December and just dive into um, that Jupiter and Pisces transit on the 28th of December. December ends with another major outer planetary event. Um, Jupiter moves back into Pisces and Jupiter was in Pisces in 2021 from May 13th to July 28th. And it coincided exactly with mask mandates. When Jupiter moved into Pisces on May 13th, and I remember this because I was in the airport and the, um, the, oh God, how can I forget, you know, the government, the CDC, thank you. How can I forget the CDC? The CDC announced, um, updated mandates that people who are vaccinated don't have to wear masks. And then everybody stopped wearing masks, the Delta variant spread. And as soon as Jupiter left Pisces, mask mandates were required again for everybody, regardless of vaccination status. So now with what we know about what this transit, how this transit manifested in the late summer or in the late spring, summertime, early summertime, it's interesting now to think about what's going to happen with on a, on a mundane level, what's going to happen with mask mandates and, um, all of that, all of that jazz. I, I don't know exactly what to think of it because we are in a very different time, but there's no doubt that that Jupiter and Pisces energy kind of released our inhibitions a little bit. It was a time where we had a lot of hope for the end of the pandemic. I don't necessarily know if we're in that same place and if we can make the same assumptions, but it will hopefully lighten the mood. It will bring a little bit more optimism, but what I'm looking forward to with Jupiter in Pisces in 2022 is, um, creative works from artists, music, movies, TV shows, and new and exciting um, works of art really to come out. I'm specifically looking at Rihanna to release her next album <laughs> when Jupiter is in Pisces. You heard it here first. I'm like, I, I'm hope they would think it would be really cool if it happened around that, uh, around the uh, Jupiter Neptune conjunction on the spring, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to see on a collective and mundane level, what happens with, um, with creatives in society, because I think that that is going to be such a potent, um, time period of creative creation, like that whole Piscean Neptunian creativity that just comes from source to yeah. really manifest in our world, but also in our personal experience, being able to feel a little lighter, a little freer and a little more optimistic as we head into the new year. Yeah, definitely. Also the gig economy. I feel like with Jupiter Pisces going along with like the creativity and how many people have quit their jobs or reached a breaking point during the pandemic. And now they're doing something else that's like totally out of the box. And 
I think to Jupiter and Pisces, this transit, I think in a way is, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a ninth house stellium, my ninth house. (laughs) So over the summer when Jupiter was in Pisces, I was literally, I felt like I was talking to God, like all the time. Like I felt very, very close to God in the universe or whatever you want to call them. And I think there's like, just this like very deep, um, like faith and connection that could be had during Jupiter and Pisces. If you're the type of person who's really craving, like I want a spiritual practice or I feel like I'm lacking spirituality in my life. And I want to start connecting more to myself and my guides, my ancestors, the universe, the God, the goddess, whatever we want to call them, um, divine source. I think this is a really, I mean, there couldn't be a better transit to dive into your spiritual path in some way. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was a little more optimistic about Jupiter and Pisces in 2020. I was like, this is going to be great. And now I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that great. It kind of created a lot of false hope. That we could end the pandemic. (laughs) Well, I do think that like that might be part of it too. Like Mm -hmm. in 2022, it's giving me, and we talked about this a year ago at this point, but like this Jupiter in Pisces transit after everything that's happened um, is giving me like um, post prohibition, like the roaring twenties sort of idealism where we are maybe not considering if we have the infrastructure to support the buoyancy, the abundance, the movement, the um, desire for freedom with Jupiter in Pisces. And so I think, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I think it's gonna be a really fun time, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I don't know um, that we won't have a substantial fallout from that time as well. Agreed. Absolutely. Any final thoughts, ladies, for December? It's quite a month. I feel like I'm at the point with December where it's like, you know, I've, we've read into it as much as it needs to be read into. And now all we have to do is just wait and see what is being revealed. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. I'm very much like in eclipse mode right now where I'm Mm -hmm. just like in observation and in wonderment of what is to come and I will read it as it does. Absolutely. Agreed. Any shameless plugs, ladies? Any personal Um, announcements or shameless plugs? Now that we've wrapped up the astrology of December, we've talked about it at length. What are you guys up to? What's going on? um, Well, I am now available for in-person readings. If you're local in Chicago, I have an office that is all my own um, in the neighborhood of Andersonville. Um, So if you have wanted a reading with me and you've wanted to stare into my face as, I mean, not through a screen, as we do that reading, you can do that. Um, I also have an in-person event 
um, in collaboration with Gold Dust Studios on December 19th, right after the full moon in Gemini, um, where I'll be offering mini readings um, at TBA, T TBD, TBD on the location. It'll be on my Instagram, um, but I'm really excited to be doing more things in person and actually like, you know, vibing IRL with my clients. I've really missed that. Awesome. Me, you can always find me on Instagram at underscore Mallory Hasty. Uh, join me every Sunday morning, just about every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time for Witch Church and come and start your week off right and click into spirit and the universe with me for our weekly messages. Yay. And I'm Kate. AK Girl in the Galaxy. And I, um, Jordan and I are working on a little astrology of 2022 guide, and that will be out for pre-sale very soon. So subscribe to my mailing list. You can do that with a link in the bio or just follow me on Instagram for more information and updates on that. It's going to be really user-friendly this year, simple, straight to the point. And we really look forward to offering that to you. And I also will be doing live in person mini readings um, for at this at a bar called the Jay Parker, where I literally started my career. And I literally started my career there and they're launching. It's a new management. I love them so much. And it's an it's just like an old friend and old connections coming back. Very, very Venus retrograde of me to, to have this opportunity come up, but the Jay Parker is launching all astrology themed cocktails. And I literally used to be the beverage manager there. So I'm going back as an astrologer, going to do mini readings there for their, the launch of their astrological cocktail menu on December 1st. You can follow me along on Instagram for more updates on that, but I had to plug it because it's going to be so much fun. There's going to be, I'm there doing astrology readings. It's going to be tarot readings. There's going to be burlesque. There's going to be live music. It's going to be so much fun. So stay tuned for more information on that. And thank you everybody for listening. This has been so wonderful. I hope that this has been an, a wonderful guide for everybody. If you've enjoyed what you hear, if you've liked hanging out with us, leave us a couple stars and uh, love letters in, um, in our DMs or maybe just write a little, write us a little love letter review. That would mean the world to us. We love hearing from you and hearing about your experiences with what we have to share. So thank you everybody so much. And we'll see you guys in 2022. Oh gosh. That Yay. makes me Wow. Happy. Take care everybody. <laughs> <laughs>